Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for all the, the shares on social media. The last two or three months of the podcast has gone crazy since the trip over to Thailand, meeting all the girls, um, and the, the, it's, it's gone crazy. The online coaching has gone crazy, so thank you so much to everyone who signed up there as well. This week is, I'm really excited about this. This is, uh, this is going to be heavily on the mindset. This week I have Shane Finn. On Shane is an endurance athlete, charity, fundraiser, and entrepreneur. Shane has run 24 marathons in 24 days. He has recently just come back from running and cycling across America, and that is no mean feat. America is massive, and I was talking to him a little bit off air, and it's, it just sounds bonkers, the different, the different weather changes, all that kind of stuff. He's also a coach and motivational speaker. He also has his own podcast, which is available up on iTunes and Spotify, which is called Pushing Limits. And the reason why I wanted to get uh, Shane on was to understand his mindset and how to kind of break down mental barriers, which a lot of us kind of put up when stuff can get a little bit tough. But Shane somehow manages to find a way to kind of break those down. So Shane, thank you so much for coming on. What is up, man? Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. No, it's awesome. I know you were you were busy, busy last week with uh, TV appearances and meeting Joe Wicks and stuff like that. So I really appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, you're coming on to, to the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Um, for those that aren't aware of your story, Shane, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you kind of started off and kind of where you're at now? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I suppose this all uh, this, this madness all started for me back when I was uh, 18. Uh, 2010, I ran my first marathon, typical uh Typical, I suppose, cocky 18-year-old thought I could just go and run a marathon. Um, I think I ran six miles on Inch Beach beforehand. Um, went off, tried to run my first marathon. Uh, didn't work out very well. It was like, ran like, uh, it took me a long time. Um, but uh, I raised a lot of money that, that year for, for Spina Bifida Ireland. So it's, uh, obviously, as we get into it, that is a charity that's very close to my heart. The charity that's very close to my family. Um, and yeah, I suppose that uh, that first marathon for me was a very humbling experience. I uh, suffered quite a lot. Um, it was biologically and physically the most pain I've ever been in in my life. Um, again, you know, I had no real running done. I just played a bit of football. Very comfortable life. Didn't really train. Thought I could just go run this marathon, and it was uh, it was a big smack across the head for an eighteen-year-old Shane to, to to experience that. And uh, I suppose it opened up my eyes to two things. Um, you're not as good as you think you are. Um, so you're not as fit as you think you are. And number two, uh, as tough and all as it was, and as much as I suffered, um, I got to help other people. So for me, number two was the big one. Um, number one, I could work on. So number one was, yeah, look, I suffered. This was really hard. I hated it. Um, but literally the next day, I signed up again for the next year because um, I knew that I could do better. And I knew if I trained and applied myself in, in, a, in an appropriate, and I suppose in a pro- more professional manner, um, I could do a little bit better at this. Um, but I suppose the fundraising aspect was something that really kind of hooked me in from day one really um so my first cousin mary she's 38 she lives in selbridge county Kildare, and uh she has been living her whole life with a condition called spina bifida and she also has a condition called hydrocephalus so usually um both conditions go together and it's a fairly uh, difficult thing to live with so mary's been wheelchair bound for about 70 percent of her life and um, I suppose that, that I was just I remember being 17 years old one day and just sitting on the, the kitchen 
kitchen counter and tell my mother that I was going to run the Dingle Marathon for, to raise money for, for Mary. And uh, um, literally, I kind of haven't stopped since then, even though that first bad experience, I put that one to bed. And um, yeah, I suppose but things just, just took off from there, literally. Um, it came at a bit of a funny time as well. Um, that first marathon, I did it. And at the same time, I had dropped out of college and I was kind of working in the local supermarket. I was just a little bit lost, to be honest. And um, I suppose it, it brought me back to earth pretty quickly that, you know, there's there's uh, there's more important things in the world. And I saw how happy my family were, my, my cousin Mary was, and how grateful the charity were for me doing that for them. And um, it just come like literally, and I don't mean to uh, over-exaggerate it, um, suffering through that first marathon completely... Uh, change the course of my life. I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing here, and I probably would, wouldn't be here talking to you, Shane, if I didn't do that first marathon. So, um, yeah, literally, literally took off from there. Um, got the bug, started literally training again the week after that first marathon. Um, started hitting the gym properly. Dropped out of the college, and I was like, you know what? I actually really enjoy this this fitness stuff. Um, so off I went. I did all these personal training certificates, strength conditioning courses. I did everything I could get my hands on. Um, was educating myself as best I could. Um, and then I came up with this idea of running from Dublin to Dingle. In 2014, I ran 12 marathons in 12 days, which was my first, I suppose, uh, step into multi-day endurance events. And the reason I did that was because I had run a number of marathons on the stage, which I was beginning to enjoy a little bit more. And um, I realized that, and, and not to sound uh, condescending, but I realized that a lot of people were running marathons for great, fantastic causes and raising lots of money. But I wanted to raise more. I wanted to do more for people who needed it. And I said I'd have to do something kind of a bit mad, really, to be honest, to, to try and get people's attention. You know, not even people's attention, but to... To, to create a compelling story around the charity and why it needs money um, for support and for respite and et cetera, et cetera. So but the, the symbolism of the Dublin thing, Dublin to Dingle thing in 2014 was I, myself and my business partner, Mark, had just opened up our first gym and I bought this van that my dad said I should buy. Because um, again, being a being a, an old carry fella, he knows everything anyway. But he said, no, don't buy this, don't buy this van. I don't trust it. I bought the van anyways, drove to Dublin for a seminar actually. And I came out of the seminar and the van wouldn't start. And um, again, young fella, I called my dad. I said, dad, this van won't start. And he started laughing at me. He said, do you know what you can do now? You can fucking run home. And um, anyways, I got the van started after a while. And uh, I clocked the, clocked the distance down to the angle. And I was like, do you know what? That's not a bad idea. So um, about eight months later, I slept from... Uh, Phoenix Park in Dublin and I ran the Dingle and uh, we raised about 33 grand it was my first kind of I suppose it was my first like I said jump into multi-day endurance events and um, yeah I enjoyed it I, I uh, it was at a, probably the worst time I could have possibly done it in my life we were four months into uh, after opening our first uh, our first gym and I uh, had no idea what we were doing I didn't really know how to train for it but I suppose the one thing and we might get into it and I'm a big advocate of strength training for, for runners um, I got to strength train quite a lot and I stayed relatively injury free going into it and I managed to get through it Um kind of stayed quiet then for a couple of years did a few more marathons did a few Ironman stuff like that um, and then I suppose the 24 marathons came along um, 
why why didn't they regard with somebody run a marathon every day for 24 days? Um, I still don't know. Um, but I, it was Christmas of 2015. The idea kind of came into my head. Um, and I, I suppose I didn't go ahead with it really until 2017. But, um, you know, I, I saw that life was getting difficult for my cousin Mary. She was, you know, she was struggling um in a lot of pain every day um she's been to hospital more times than i've probably been on nights out to be honest and that's that's not a joke um and you know she's she's a she's, she's a tough she's one tough cookie she's a very very tough girl um very very positive girl and um i remember it was christmas of 2015 we went to visit them and I, it, it hit me pretty hard how this was a 24-hour day thing for her and that wasn't just a nine to five thing. And like when I go, you know, she still suffers. And like she, she, she feels like her parents are trying to explain, but she feels the feeling of pain 24 hours a day. And I was just trying to wrap my head around that. And I was like, how can we, how can this be happening to people in this day and age in Ireland? Um, so off I went and I was like, that's it. You know, I, I, I realized it was 24 hours a day. So I was like, that's it, 24 marathons in 24 days. And I said, she is in pain 24 hours a day, but it's not just my cousin Mary, it's her family as well. And there's lots of other families around Ireland, around the world, who have a, a brother, a sister, a sibling, a, a cousin with a disability, and everybody shares the load, you know. Um, so that was that was the first uh, that was the first idea, and I kept that I kept that quiet for over seven months in my head because I was wondering if I could actually do this, you know. And uh, logistically, I was like, how's it going to work? And I was like, this, this is a uh, this could potential banana skin. This could work out, or it could be an absolute disaster, one or the other. But um, I like I'm not a betting man, but I fancy my chances. And uh, we went we went ahead with it. Ran 24 marathons in 24 days all around Ireland. Um, phenomenal event, phenomenal experience. Um, my goal was to raise 100 grand, and we raised 142 grand. Um, and like I said, it just brought so much happiness and hope to uh, to not just people in the charity, but people all over Ireland. Really, the people with not just spina bifida, but many forms of uh, disabilities and ailments, and, and and you know mental disabilities and physical disabilities. Um, and it just gave people something to be part of, uh, and it gave something. Uh, I suppose, for example, my cousin Mary gave her something to be hopeful for, um, because I suppose a bit of real talk, you know. Realistically, my they, my cousin Mary doesn't have a whole lot of stuff to be hopeful for, um. So we gave her something to be involved in, something to be to be a part of, and um, yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. We 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 brought the whole national organisation together, and um, we 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 pushed ahead and we got it done. And again, it didn't come without hiccups. And uh, I suppose fast forward again, very fast um, to today. Um, I about three months after I finished twenty four marathons, I, I do some work for a university in Connecticut about an hour north of Manhattan and I was there at the time after the 24 marathons happy out after running around Ireland and you know I was wondering what I was going to do next and I got a phone call from one of the guys in the organization to break bad news to me that the funding had been cut by 50% for next year and this was just after I had run around Ireland and raised over 100 grand they, they then get cut by 50 grand um, they get their funding cut by 50 grand and obviously it pissed me off pretty 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 quickly and, and it upset me and um, I was sitting in this cafe in Connecticut and I was like well that's it it's a sign I'm in America Um, you know I've, I'm always in America and I, I, I'm compelled by America I love America and uh, I was like yeah why not let's, let's go to San Francisco to New York City and um, 
you know, I'm running out of roads in Ireland anyway, so um, might be no harm to change it up and head to America. So that's where the idea for America was born. Um, the number 36 came from, I had done 12 and 12, I'd done 24 and 24. I was like, right, whatever way I do it, it's going to have to be 36 or else it'll really annoy me for many years to come. Um, so 36 was the number and we went about planning it out. And uh, yeah, obviously it was a big uh, it was a big step up. Like I said, the, the 24 marathons in 24 days was like going into first year in school. And this was like doing the leave and search. Um, so there was no comparison, to be honest, between the two. And uh, yeah, look again. We we were probably underdogs going into it. Um, there was a lot of risk going into it. Um, there was a lot of risk during it. Um, but we uh, yeah we managed to, to stay together to to stay strong. And I had a phenomenal team with me. And um, yeah, I managed my the body stayed good and I managed to get through it. And uh, yeah, we're still there's still money coming in and stuff. But <clears throat> I would hope to have maybe maybe hit about a hundred grand again. So. Over the last seven years since nearly dying do that first marathon that we've raised over nearly three hundred grand um for a small charity, you know, which is uh which is a what which is a lot of money, but at, at the end of the day the money's not really important. It's it's the uh it's the happiness and hope that you get to bring to people and then, you know, you get people feel like they're a part of something and I think that's very important because uh we get so caught up in, in uh in stuff every day, we sometimes forget that there are people in a lot worse situations than we are. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I got home from New York, obviously, again, we'll call a spade a spade. I felt felt a bit empty afterwards. And, you, you know, during these events, I don't show much emotion. It's just, it's very just next day, next day, take the next day, the next 5K, the next five steps, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, you're always looking for something else. And I, I don't have anything else planned, to be honest. I, I want to do a little bit more uh, training myself, maybe go do a master's. Um, travel a bit more and uh, just get back into my own kind of stuff again so that's a very uh condensed uh, um i suppose uh, uh recap of the last kind of seven years that have been absolutely literally a roller coaster would be an understatement to be honest for the last seven years but um it's been a lot of fun and i, I uh i definitely enjoy doing what i do so it's uh it's been good cry that is some seven years that's you've, you've achieved a serious amount and you should be super proud of yourself and uh like fair play and how Mary's doing doing okay and fair play over three hundred thousand uh euro for raising funds is is incredible um and yeah wow I was I was literally on tender hook I was literally like it was like a movie when you were just talking it was like yeah it was just crazy so fair play um yeah. I'm like. I know you're kind of talking about your motivation being kind of Mary and you alluded to it there that like she's living in pain for 24 hours a day and for the last 38 years or I think that's what you you mentioned uh like I know Mary is kind of the one you go to motivation but is there any external people that you kind of go to motivation or is there anyone you'd listen to or kind of read up uh, read upon uh when you're going for you're going for your motivation yeah, I suppose. Again, I have, I have, I have a few, but I think the main thing, and I think I've, it's taken me probably five years to identify this properly, um, and to actually be able to talk about it, which is kind of funny. Um, so obviously Mary is the main reason this all started for me. Um, but the second thing for me would be, and I, I get to the other people as well in a second, but the second thing for me would be probably myself. And I know that that might sound strange, but when I was growing up, I was a very quiet kid. I was very shy. Um, you know, it would have been, I would have been an easy target growing up for, for being picked on and stuff like that. Um, you know, 16, 17, 18, very low self-confidence. Like I, I really didn't believe myself at all. Um, and just literally doing that marathon, flicked a switch. 
was like, you can do anything. You can do whatever you want. Now, I'd just done my first marathon. I wasn't Lance Armstrong or I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't Eliud Kipchoge just yet. But, you know, it gave me that little, I suppose, the spark. And when you get a little spark like that, you can do one or two things with it. You can use it or can quench one or the other. Um, and I, luckily enough, I used it. Um, and I suppose for me, I even to this day, I suppose I'm still a little bit like, you know, there is that little, there is on my left or my right shoulder, there is that young fella that was really quiet and that was really self-conscious and didn't really want to put himself out there and didn't really want to achieve big things. Um, and I don't want to be that. Go, I don't want to go back being that person. And uh, like I said, when you, when you look at Mary and her situation, I mean, I've been given a gift and people think that it may be a, might be a bit much, but I've been given a gift and that's like, my health I can get up in the morning myself I can wash myself I can eat I can make my own coffee I can eat my own breakfast um and sometimes we don't understand how lucky we are to be able to do that um so I fully intend in using what I have every single ounce of it um till the day I die I'm going to be running marathons up until I'm 80 and uh, I'm going to enjoy it I'm going to have fun I'm going to be out cycling my bike the morning I die because uh that's um that I've been given this gift and a lot of not not everybody has um, and then I suppose when you look, and that motivates me that I've been given this opportunity. Um, but then when you look, I suppose, externally, I would look at, you know, there's, there's certain, there's a guy in Mullingar, Jerry Duffy. Um, Jerry was a huge mentor to me um, er, early on in my kind of multi-day endurance events. You know, Jerry had done a lot of crazy things in his days. And he, he had won, he had just won the DECA Ironman, which is 10 Ironmans in 10 days. And, and you know, I remember meeting him and I drive, literally drove to Westmead one day to meet him. And uh, he was, he was phenomenal. He was so good to me. And uh, we're still very good friends to this day. Um, I suppose with all the people out there, all over the world, like people will look up to, I, I look up to the lad from Mullingar, which is, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, you know, and he, we're still good friends to this day. So he'd be my number one, I suppose, person. I mean, you look at other people that I would have massive admiration for. You I mean, you know, people that are, I suppose, redefining what we, perceive as being impossible you'd look at there's a guy in utah in, in america called james lawrence he did 50 ironman triathlons in 50 days and people said that you know it's not possible you can't do it you look at Eliud kipchoge who i firmly believe is going to run sub two hours in a couple months time and people say if you do it that if a human does it, that they're going to die. Um, he's 26 seconds away, and he'll probably do it in a couple of months. So, I mean, you look at Katie Taylor. I mean, she's just she's a, probably the best Irish sports person we've ever had. Um, all these people are just pushing themselves, but they're pushing themselves to become the best that they can be with whatever current situations that they have. I mean, you look at Katie Taylor. She came from a very, very humble background. You look at Iliad Kipchoge, when you look at the documentary, I mean, he's he, he wins the, the Berlin Marathon, probably wins 250 grand cash, but a couple of days later, he's scrubbing sheds out in Kenya, like the floors, washing out the floors, the bathrooms and stuff with the rest of the runners, do you know what I mean? So they're the kind of people that I would look up to. Um, you look at James Lawrence, he lost everything in his life. The, the banks took his house off him. He had to move his kids into the sitting room beside the fire because they couldn't afford to heat the house. Um, and then he goes out and redefines what the world said was impossible um, and the, where all the odds were stacked against them so they're you know they're the kind of people that I would look up to and that I 
I suppose have admiration for and, and uh, again you know I suppose it comes back the most person I admire the most is Mary because um, she has every odd stacked against her and she, she continues to uh, to get up every day and to, to continue doing her thing and she, she's always smiling I mean she's a huge Liverpool fan so the next time I'm going to meet her she's going to be Champions League mad after they won the Champions League this week so um, yeah it's I mean you know there's, you take uh, you take bits from everybody but I think at the end of the day you need to be able to, to look at the person in the mirror too and, 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 and be motivated by that you know I think that I think that's awesome. Uh, I hadn't heard of uh, James. I, I'd heard of the runner, all right, but to, like to 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 go and run whatever he ran, and then put it in perspective. He's gone back and clean the sheds. It's like I, I think a lot of people kind of this may be a sweeping statement, but a lot of people can be kind of spoon fed. They they almost expect things to the results to come easier, whether it comes to kind of running or else whether we come to kind of get a promotion and in work or whether looking to lose weight or whatever have you kind of got any advice for anyone out there that's kind of thinking that kind of can be easier or kind of taking the easy way out uh, or anything like that well when you look at it we'll, we'll take it from a fitness perspective the easy way out never works because the easy way out will work short term whereas the people that get long-term results do the hard work so they take the road less traveled, they take the bumpy path. Um, you know, we live in a world now where people seek comfort in everything that they do. Um, like literally everything. We find the easiest way to do everything, the easiest way to train for a marathon, what's the easiest way to lose 20 pounds, and people will gravitate towards that. So if you created a package and sold it and said, this is the easiest way to lose two stone, you'd be a millionaire. But the only thing is you'd have no repeat business because, well, you could if you could keep selling it to them um, because they, they don't last long term. That's the thing. The thing that works, it's not it's not the end goal. It's the work It's the work that you do to get to the goal. That's what, that's where change happens. Um, so, again, looking at my own stuff, from, for example, you know, it's not it's not the it's not crossing the Brooklyn Bridge and it's not it's not crossing the whole of America. It's, it's the days I spent in the wind and the rain and the snow here, like in West Kerry, training on my bike and go out running like a marathon Sunday morning at like half five, half five, six o'clock, you know, before the Sunday even starts to make sure I'm around to hang out with my family for the day. They're, they're like, I, did, I didn't want to get up at half five in the morning in the dark in the middle of December to run a marathon on a Sunday morning. It's probably the last thing I wanted to do, but I did it. And they're, they're the things that's there are things that stand you. You know, when you take somebody's after joining the gym for the first time, or you know, say a man or a woman's doing that, they're going through a twelve-week training regime. It's the twelve weeks doesn't finish on week twelve. That should be your new starting point. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that's really important because you know, it's it's like I said, it's the seeking of the comfort. People will go through the twelve weeks knowing that they can have a blowout afterwards. Um, and that's I don't know I mean it's 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 just I suppose to re, kind of rewire the mindset of people and, and and to tell them that you know there's always more out there there's always more that you can do there's always more you can better yourself and that, that I suppose I've alluded to we say the twenty pound it's not even about losing weight it's just about becoming a better person becoming stronger becoming fitter um, you know looking after your health a bit more. And then, lo and behold, the weight loss starts to come. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, I think it's think long-term, and, and people find it hard to think long-term. I mean, if I was online and I tried to sell somebody a 12-month weight loss package, um, I wouldn't sell any. But if you promise someone that you'd lose them 21 pounds in 21 days, um, which is probably is, is very unrealistic, you'd, you'd probably you'd probably be doing quite well, you know? Um, but is, is it is it is it 
sustainable? Is it realistic? No, probably not. Do people believe in it? Yes, because it's fast and it's quick, and they don't only have to work hard for 21 days. Um, but if you gave me 12 months, right, completely change your life. You know what I mean? Fitness mentality, your health, your wellness. Um, but nobody wants to commit to the long term. Some people do. Um, and I think the more that we can kind of educate people, um, as fitness kind of coaches and fitness trainers, if we can educate people to you know believe in the long term and believe in what they're doing is is for their long term health and their long term benefit. Um, I think we're all going to start doing a lot better. Um, but it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing, and I like talking about it. But it's, uh, it's definitely a topic that's, um, that's up for discussion, anyways, for sure. I love that. I absolutely. I'm, I'm writing down frantically, literally on a tender hooks here with pen and paper beside <laughs> me. Literally, words of gold. Uh, and I know I won't be the only one writing down stuff as well. Um, you, I, I one of the big things I, I was listening to all your podcasts. Um the Pushing Limits podcast and the, yep. the one of the things that kind of struck me most importantly or one of the things I took away from it was kind of the importance of strength, strength training for endurance sports and you were kind of saying yeah. maybe some people kind of neglected a little bit. Uh, can you kind of expand yeah. that on, on that a bit? Yeah, so I mean, it, I, I I find so I find strength training easy. Strength training easy, excuse me, because I love it. I really like it. Whereas some people, you know, I, I, the classic case one time of a woman who was strength training for four weeks and she was training for a marathon and then she stopped because she wasn't getting faster. Um, so I was like, well, to try and explain to her, I was like, you know, you know, doing two strength sessions a week won't make you faster. I said, what it will do is it will make you stronger, more robust, so you can train harder and that where you get faster um, it's not by doing this exercise with me you know you see these articles online do these three exercises to produce your pb by five minutes that's that, that's not how it works and um, so what, what works is long term training strength training for 12 months of the year um, you know building up your strength levels becoming more robust like we all need to be a little bit more robust a little bit stronger um, and lo and behold you can train harder i mean bar my achilles injury across America, I haven't really had an injury in like three years for the amount of stuff that I do. Um, so I think, to be honest, and there's, there's research, there's limited research there, but there's a lot of research there saying how important strength training is for runners, but not just for runners, for for, for the general population, for everybody, for people in general. You look at a lot, there's a lot of, um, I could be incorrect in saying this, I think it's it's a university in Australia. Don't know the exact one. They're doing a ton of research at the moment on the benefits of strength training for older folks. So, you know, for people who are like, especially women, so who are more, say, prone to osteoporosis and things like that, and the benefits of strength training for them, you know, increasing their bone density, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we've had, we've, I've, I've had clients before when we had our gym, you know, a lady would come in in her early 60s, she's early stages osteoporosis, um, you know, like, okay, look, we recommend you do some strength training and they're kind of afraid to do it and stuff like that. But, you know, a year or two years later, the same woman comes back and she says, I just got the all clear, you know, so it, it like strength training is for everybody. Everybody should be strength training, whether you're a runner, you're not a runner, whether you play soccer, whether you play cricket, whether you don't play any sports at all, whether you're a mom a dad or you're a teenager boy or girl doesn't really matter everybody should be strength training i think it's really important because if you look at it i mean when you look at there's an interesting photo and i use it quite a lot in some of my lectures with the with the, with the college there was a photo that's taken on the side of the street in dublin in like 1902 like a black and white photo not one single person in that photo is out of shape 
every man is lean, thin, strong. Every woman is lean, thin. They look fit. They look healthy. The kids are running around. Everybody looks fit and healthy. I think if you stood in that exact same place today, tomorrow, next week, last week, and took the exact same photo, there'd probably be a very different and a very big difference between both of the photos. Um, and that's like just over 100 years. So imagine what we're going to be like in another 100 years. I do, it worries me, obviously. Um, but I think, like I said, the importance for strength training, again, I kind of went off on a bit of a, a bit of a rant there. But I think the importance for strength training is just, again, obviously remain strong. Again, preventing imbalances in runners. Runners are very, very imbalanced, a lot of them. Very quad dominant runners, um, things like that. I mean, I do a lot of work with GA guys. Um, <laughs> GA guys are very worse than runners. Um, but it's, it's, a, um, it's very important that everybody should be doing it. It's not just for the guys going into the gym, like doing their bicep curls on a Friday evening before they go out on the weekend and like screaming the house down. Um, some people think that that's what strength training is. But strength training is moving your own body weight. It's moving lightweights. It could be doing working on a hill out, outdoors running um you know so it's 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 a thing that's it's so important and it's something i'll always do i mean if i'm taking a break from my running or i'm taking a break from from biking many many hours a week i'm still gonna go to the gym i'm still gonna do my strength training it's something i will never stop doing um and i think it's really important and i do put that down to remaining as injury free as i have over the last kind of three years i'm not completely injury free um but i've been relatively injury free for like three years and i really put it down to, to down to that yeah for the amount of miles you've put onto the clock uh you've been very lucky well we're going to talk about your yeah. your little injury later on well not little injury but we're going to talk about your injury later on um you kind of you, you, in in your podcast, you talk about the symbolism twenty four hours and twenty uh, twenty four marathons twenty four hours. Um, why you did it? Was there any point that kind of came into your head that you ever kind of thought of giving up on it at all? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I get asked that question a lot. Like we say, twenty four marathons, even crossing America. Well, you know, people say, was there any point where you thought you mightn't finish? And um, you know, the cool thing to say would be. Yeah, oh no, I didn't never thought I was never gonna finish. There was about five times a day every day where I was like, I'm not gonna be able to do this, you know. But it's it's when it's when those it's when I've my brain trained to when those situations crop up that I allow myself five minutes. I allow myself five minutes to not be in a positive mindset. I allow myself five minutes to kind of be just to talk shit to myself basically saying that you can't do this you're you know you might not do it you're not going fast enough you're not covering enough ground and then with the five minutes is up i was like right that's it done back back we're, we're back again so i do i get it out rather I, and i you know sometimes i'll be on the bike in the middle of freaking nevada or somewhere like that and i just be talking absolutely shite to myself um saying terrible things to myself but when that five minutes is up it's up it's done so I put it to bed and I keep moving forward. And I could say, you know, as, as bad as all things get, it's like, but you're still here. You're still moving forward. So when those little five minutes, I always end that five minute rant in my own head or verbally to myself. And um, I always end up with a positive. So I always go out with a positive, whether it's anything. It's like, oh, look, your heart rate's lower than yesterday. Anything at all, anything like that. You're a little bit faster than yesterday. You've got a tailwind. You're going to get more distance in today. You know, your your left arm's not sore anymore. I always try to end it with a positive. And then I keep, you know, I use, I pick maybe after the five minutes, so when my five minutes of of, uh, of whinging, I suppose, is up, I then come up with five things that are good about that day. So it could, it could be, like, it could have been 
piss and rain in Indiana. It pissed rain for five days straight in Indiana. And I had a couple of moments and I still had to find five things about that day that were good. So I was like, coffee tasted good this morning. We have food. The day will end soon. And I was like, it's fairly green compared to other places I've been. So I would come up with random little things like that. Um, you know, I just try to turn my mind off it. And, uh, you know, I always try to end it with a positive. So we, we can kind of, I think people find it hard to deal with the kind of negative voice in their head. And they do sometimes allow it to take over. But for me, it's just a voice. And that's it. At the end of the day, I can actually control how I think. Um, and obviously, you know, there are certain situations where it's a little bit harder than others. Um, but like I said, I take the five minutes and then I come back with the five positives. So, you know, I, my five minutes comes up. I, take five minutes bad in a bad mindset mind place um maybe my mental space isn't very good and then once that five minutes is up boom i rattle off five positive things and then it's it's, it's like magic i'm a completely different person uh, and then i'm back back off down the road again but yeah there were many many times during the, both the 24 martins and america where i thought it wouldn't finish um but you know again i, I reminded my of often you know use that use the mirror the person that i'm looking back in the mirror is um is the person i'm trying to beat really i'm not a massively competitive guy um i'm getting a bit more competitive obviously with uh, iron men's and stuff like that but at the end of the day when i go back to the camper van or to the hotel after our long bike or long run day um i want to go for a shower and i want to look in the mirror and say you know you gave a very good honest effort today um and it would really piss me off if i stood there and i didn't give myself everything i had on that day whatever you have on that day it's different every day some days you feel good some days you feel bad um you know and the days i feel bad i get back into the camper and be like you still pushed you gave it everything you had today so that was a good day no matter even if you didn't hit the distance you needed to hit even though if you were a bit slower than you were meant to be you still gave it everything so i know myself if i give myself an honest effort and i think that's something that people again might be a bit of a sweeping statement might be the right thing to say but i do sometimes think that people just don't give an honest effort in what they're doing and maybe it comes down to is their goal compelling enough is it mean enough that i'm at the end of the day in america i i, I kept telling myself every day that my cousin mary is going to be waiting on brooklyn bridge for me on may the third like sometime between 2 and 3 p.m. And the only way I wasn't going to be there is if I get killed on my bike or I fall or something like that. That's the only way that I'm not going to make it. Um, so I knew no matter what happened, hurricanes, wind, rain, snow, whatever it was, injuries, and like that, I said, it doesn't matter, I'm still going to make it. So I just suppose had this thing in my head where I can kind of deal very well with the negative emotions when they do come up and the voice comes into your head that you just you just want to stop and you don't want to keep going i just remember i said look this is this is where you want to be you're right in the middle of this right now you've spent literally two years thinking about this exact moment take your five minutes finish with your five positives and mary's gonna be waiting for you in two weeks time one week time four days time she's gonna be there waiting for you at the brooklyn bridge so you know i kept saying to myself i don't want to keep her waiting and I said it'd be very rude of me to not to not show up after her making such an effort to get there. So um, that, I mean, yeah, like I think, you know, when you look, at, you can you can say what I, what I was doing was extreme and all that kind of stuff, but it still relates to with say I, I you know I volunteer here every Saturday morning at our local park run, um, and I see people going doing their first park run, their second park run, they go through the same negative battle and mental battle as I would in a day running for five hours or 
biking for 10 hours it's they still go through the same thing and i can relate to what they're dealing with you know you're heading out for it it's a headwind for like the first two and a half kilometers but slow look you, you get to the fourth kilometer you can nearly see the finish line the next thing it's everything's positive again like you're nearly there you've done it um but it's how you kind of react when the negative voice comes in i think that's really important and think if i could train people to do one thing uh it would be to deal with that and to come up with mechanisms that that would help them deal in, with that in, in in whatever situation that they're they're in you know i'm literally writing down like a lunatic here no that that <laughs> that uh that five minute mindset to allow yourself to kind of go into kind of the the negative kind of space and it's I, I personally sometimes struggle with kind of if I go into the negative space, it's, it, I find it very difficult to to get out of it. Uh, and I sometimes fall into almost the victim mentality. And I know other Brian Keane has spoken about it on his podcast. And that's and that's when I fell into the bad place mentally and ended up taking um, medication for depression. And I was like, that was the worst fucking thing I ever did was taking those medications because I couldn't think straight. I couldn't speak properly um like my mates have seen i've said it recently i met up with them on the weekend they're like from where you were whatever it was 15 16 months ago to now is just ridiculous and like the, the like so many people fall into that victim mentality get sucked into some sort of bubble or get sucked into some sort of hole whether it could be substance abuse it could be just not putting enough effort into a relationship into looking at themselves looking into work it can be a broad variety of things so using that five minute tool i'll definitely be robbing that um i i love that i have and where did you did you come up with that yourself or had you heard about it from somewhere else or i've heard similar things from other people but i don't know why i came up with the five minute thing i just found that if i i mean there were times there were times in america where i'd be cycling right and i remember crossing the state line from nevada into utah i was like i can't wait to be out of the desert and i crossed the state line and there was an incline a steady little not not huge steady incline and it went on for 40 kilometers into a headwind of the steady incline all, all the way up all kept just kept going as far as i could see and I remember stopping to refill my water bottle and I literally felt like I was cycling backwards. And I remember the vans had pulled forward and I was just sitting there on the saddle of my bike with one leg on the ground, refilling my water bottle. It's been like, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Um, but you know what? I, like I said, I put the foot back into the bike, into the pedal. I kept tipping away and I would say, let's just say to myself, but you're still here. You're still doing it. You're still moving forward. You're still giving your chance. You're still giving yourself a chance to win. And by winning for me was getting to Brooklyn Bridge on May the third. You know. So look, I said, look, just take the next five k. Do the next five k to the best of your current ability. Do the next ten k to the best of your current ability. Next thing, you know, an hour passes. You're like, geez, I feel I feel good now. Like I keep going for another while. And the next thing, you get a bit of food, and you're like completely different person to what I was about two hours ago um but it's hard and it's it's very difficult and I go through it all the time I was I'd ran for an hour and 10 minutes today uh, 40 minutes in I was like I literally I'm gonna quit running I never want to run again then I got back home I was like God, I feel great I'm pumping sweat it's like oh, I'm delighted after that I feel really good now I can work for the whole evening you know but it's I mean people just think that I have this perfect mindset and everything's sunshine and rainbows but I go through the exact same things that everybody else goes through in their head you know and um, but I think I've just put these little mechanisms in place to help me um 
I'm not going to use the word cope, but to help me just continue, if that makes sense. Um, because I suppose a lot of my things are many, many hours in, 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 in duration. And um, there were some of the things I, I, I put in place. But um, I just what I want to try and get across is to, to, that I, I go through the exact same things as everybody else goes through. Um, and for again, not to put me up in this, like, I suppose, uh, this, uh, this bulletproof mindset kind of pedestal which yeah i've trained myself to be fairly well mentally strong over the last couple of years but it's taken time and it's taken a lot of suffering i suppose really um to kind of build that wall around my brain to be able to handle certain situations you know but um it's similar enough for somebody like i said somebody doing their first marathon or somebody doing their first 5k or somebody walking in the door of the gym for the first time um you know when you cross these mental barriers you become stronger and it's to then use that as your actual armor for, for things to come I think that's uh, <clears throat> that's really important you know um, and like I said everyone's a bit different and you know I wouldn't shy away from the the, 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 the uncomfortable things that, that life throws at you you know that's that's incredible no, I like the way that you're kind of breaking down that hill for or that mountain or whatever it was uh, every five minutes and then eventually you kind of got to the area like do you know what that actually wasn't too bad and that's behind me now let's right. look forward um, I love that Um one of the, the big quotes that I took from listening to all of the information that's out uh, about yourself and your podcast and stuff was that uh, a lot of people out there train very uh, under-recovered. Um, and that's not only kind of doing extreme challenges. That is That can be applied to John and Mary in the gym. A lot of people sometimes think, uh, like, more is le- like more training will be better for them maybe train six days a week rather than actually training for four days a week and and then they're like why aren't i feeling better why aren't i getting stronger why isn't the, the, the scales dropping all that kind of stuff one of the things you mentioned is kind of being 10 percent undertrained rather than being one percent overtrained can you kind of expand on that a little bit more yeah, so again, I, we, can, we can come at this from, I suppose, two angles, really. So we look at the app, look, we look at the, 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 the person trying to train three or four times a week. Um, they sometimes think that, you know, doing doing more is actually uh, is actually going to benefit them. When, in some, when, when you know, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade, there's 168 hours in a week. And they think by, by pushing themselves as hard as they can for another two hours in, in a hit class or a spin class or something like that, um, yes, it could benefit you. You, you could get fitter. You, you could get stronger. Um, but it, it's what you do outside of those five hours that you train in a week is is what's actually most important. Um, so that's where you get the results. You get the results by what you do, not when you're not in the gym, if that makes sense. Um, so, again, I think, I think and then I suppose for, for me, for, for this mad stuff um basically the worst thing i could have possibly done was be one percent overtrained starting the 24 marathons or starting crossing america um i'm actually much better off to be 10 percent undertrained um because again it the same thing happened in america i think technically i got fitter as the event went on if that makes sense so my according to my heart rate data um my heart rate was just just dropped as the as the event went on same as the 24 marathons now if I trained, I trained hard, I trained very hard beforehand, but I listened to my body. So, you know, we, we're, we're, we're stuck on this seven day a week thing. I, I used 10 days. So I went by 10 days because, you know, I just, that's how I train. Um, and if there was a day where I maybe had scheduled a marathon and training, I know people like, ah, that's, that's crazy, but I would have to schedule them in my training, you know, maybe for Saturday. Uh, and, you know, Friday evening, I'm tired, I'm sore, my legs are aching. 
I would just push the marathon back to the next day and go for a swim or go on a, go on a bike ride or something like that and uh, do a two-hour hilly bike instead of doing a four-hour run. Um, and then lo and behold, I'm a little bit more recovered and more actually a lot more able to take on the run the next day. So I think we become so set on programs and schedules and stuff like that that we sometimes forget to listen to our body i think that's the most important thing really when it comes to training and longevity in your training and remaining injury free is the art of listening to your body and i think again if it was something i could teach people um you know it would uh it would be fantastic even though i uh i tried to set a course online like the art of listening to yourself i don't think i'd sell any courses but um it's it's so important i think it's like I said, if it's a skill that people could learn, I mean, if you're tired, you need to take a break. You need to rest. We we kind of, uh, I don't know what I blame social media for this, but it's kind of glorified that, that the hard work and no rest and all this kind of stuff. It's a bit stupid, really, to be honest. And um, yeah, you need to work hard, obviously. Um, you're, 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 when you do, when you are working, it has to be honest hard work. Um, you're not just kind of doing it for the gram, or you're not just, just, just arsing around, basically. Um, I mean, when I train, I train, I train really hard. But when I recover, I'm recovering really hard as well, and I relax and I listen to my body and I sleep more and I eat a bit more, and you know, I'm, I'm constantly repairing and refeeding the engine. Um, so if you think about it, look at the, look at the look at the engine of a car and you put fuel in and when the fuel runs out you top it back up because if you keep driving then it's going to run out of fuel you know so that's what happens to a lot of people you know you're running on fumes quite a lot so people are very busy and um, so a lot of times instead of pushing hard six days a week and running or at the gym you'd actually probably be you probably get better results by just training four days a week and dedicating that fifth day to preparing all your food for the week ahead or something like that um you know and actually then utilizing one day as a full recovery day where you actually maybe get an extra hour or two or sleep or something like that um you know so i think again but it's it's hard though because you know where people think again it's just the i suppose this mentality of people they think they need to do more 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 push 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 when it's when it's not it's often not the case you know like i said remaining injury free for me and myself is the most important thing um because i know if i get injured I'm, I'm kind of screwed to be honest um i mean my number one priority going to america was obviously yeah i get there safe but i have to be injury free if i'm not injury free i'm in a lot of trouble so um and you know i suppose it's, it, I, I, as well i have felt the feeling of deep deep overtraining i've been there i've been in that black hole and it just turns you off everything like it's you're in a bad mood around your family your sleep is off your food is off like you just hate training i was like i just generally don't like that i'm just mine I'm, that's not me i don't like it um so i want to be the complete opposite of that i want to enjoy my food enjoy my sleep enjoy my family time enjoy my training um and then lo and behold you, you enjoy your racing you enjoy doing your events and stuff like that um but if you feel under pressure to hit the gym nine days a week which you know i think a lot of people are doing um you know they're doing hit sessions in the morning or hit sessions in the evening um and no real purpose for it or reason behind it um so i think you know people just listen to their body rest a bit more and started looking after what they're doing when they're not in the gym um or training i think we would see a lot more results and a lot more long-term results as well you know yeah, big time, big time. It's probably one of the most common things they're kind of like people come up to. Like, I'm training six days a week. Why can't I hit this plateau? Or like, well, you, one, you may not be sleeping properly. And two, you probably aren't giving yourself enough time. Why not try to break it down to maybe three or four days a week? And then even try and get out for an extra, go out for a walk on those two days. So you're still getting some fresh air, you're still moving in some sort of way. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's that simple. 
Um, and another thing that you mentioned big time um, is kind of your building mental toughness on your three pillars. Uh, can you kind of break those down a little bit for us? Because like, they were they struck me a lot along with kind of the the ten percent undertrained uh, quote. They were they were huge for for kind of the mental strength side of things for myself. Yeah, so I think for me, I mean, so I think that the most important thing. I mean, you can go to like the three pillars, or you can go, you can you can you can go. I mean, there's I could probably put nine pillars to be honest, but I think I'll try I'll try and like just just make a make a quick. Uh, Again, I could talk about this for an hour, but I think the most important things for me, right, are you, again, I don't want to get too um, raw, raw an hour to, uh, you know, standing up, beating your chest. But I think in order to build mental strength, you have to overcome the things that you struggle with. Um, but what I mean by that is, again, I, I I like to run. I like to push myself. However, I don't absolutely love it. Like, I'm honestly, I'm out there for a four hour run. I enjoy probably one hour of the three of the four, if that makes sense. However, overcoming what I don't like to do or what I find uncomfortable is probably one of the biggest things to building mental toughness. Um, I think that's that's number one. Um, the other thing would be doing it for yourself. And I, again, I think people need to get a little bit more selfish. I think, I don't know, is this an Irish thing or what, but we often live in a very reactive state to what other people are doing or saying. Or um, And I again, I'm 100%, I would have put my hand up, I would have been one of those people too. Um, but I then, so when I started doing what I do for other people, um, and other people who are a lot less fortunate than I am, I quickly realized that I need to, in order for me to help other people, I need to be able to look after myself first. Um, and that was a hard thing to do. And I'm not sure if it really falls into the criteria of building mental toughness. But when you start to challenge yourself and to start to aim to be constantly better than the person you were yesterday or the week before or last month, um, you then look back two years time three years ago, two months ago, at the person that you were and the person that you are now. And that just gives me so much confidence. Like, I, 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 it's, it's, I true, like anything I try and do, I truly believe I can do it. Um, but that took time. That took a lot of time and it took a lot of suffering and it took a lot of failure uh, that I'm not afraid to talk about um, in order for me to get to where I am. And I think the, the other thing as well would be not being afraid to fail. So I think I've probably gone a bit off course with, with, with trying to pick three, but I think we're so f afraid of not doing what we said we we're going to do. Um, and I think that should be used a bit, I don't want to say used a bit better, but I think, no, don't be, like I said, so you embrace things that, that, that suffer, you know, when you suffer, like it could be, going to the gym and being really sore for that first after that first gym session we've all been there um but not to be deterred by that not you know to get up to recover to go again the second thing would be doing it for yourself so looking in the mirror i use the mirror all the time it's actually a thing i stole and steal and he probably took it off somebody else's i don't know if anybody follows david goggins but he uses yeah. the, the mirror mentality all the time and i think it's it's just genius i mean at the end of the day you know when you're out there doing your thing and you're training and you know, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night when you're going to bed and you look in the mirror, that's that's the honesty. That's that's where you find out if you're actually doing the right thing. And that's, uh, you know, can you look yourself in the eye and say, I gave it everything today or I tried my best or I did what I was meant to do or I, I did what I was supposed to do or did I take a shortcut? Did I just arse around all day? Did I not do what I was meant to do? Um, 
you know, that quick, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're looking at yourself at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and in front of the mirror and like, yeah, you're absolutely crushed today. Really proud about how I did. That builds massive mental toughness because we can become the own, like we can become our, our own best or worst enemy. Um, I think I've turned myself into my best enemy, my, my, my brain anyways, at least. Um, but the, you still have to listen to your worst enemy sometimes. Um, so again, I suppose they're, 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 the, they're the main ones. And like I said, not being afraid to try or not being afraid of afraid of failure. I think that's the that's the number one thing. Like you just you keep keep getting up and keep trying. Um even if you fail, even if you fall completely on your backside starting off. It's not to be uh not to throw all the toys out of a pram. I think that's that's really important because with regards to building mental strength, if when, when people try new things and we're I suppose me and you Shane we're looking at this from a fitness perspective um you know if somebody joins the gym day one and they they fail they can't keep going you know they miss a day they miss a session and they then start to eat themselves up about that um and that's that's very difficult so i think you know setting attainable goals that you can achieve from early on and um, you know i think that that's that's a big thing and, and constantly constantly winning in your own mind so it might be it might be it might sound simple it could be eating four pieces of fruit in a day if that's your goal and you achieve your goal, you know, green tick, high five, fair play. Don't you don't have to celebrate about it, but you got it done. Uh, now let's chase something else. It could be drinking three liters of water a day, going for a walk, and then taking the dog for a walk that night. That's probably more more exercise than you've ever done, and I guarantee you that'll make you feel really good the next day so again for me building mental toughness isn't going out and cycling 300 kilometers across kansas or running a 60 kilometer in the hills in pennsylvania it's doing the things that make you i suppose not doing what you don't want to do basically um and like i said i could go on many many different uh tangents on this but it's doing the things that you don't enjoy or doing the things that you don't want to do i think for me that's that that's the number one Again, I don't really like when people say, oh, I hate running, but I run anyway. Um, that really annoys me. I enjoy running. I like how it makes me feel. I like the peace it gives me. Um, I like being outside. But I don't enjoy every single minute of it. I obviously find it tough. I suffer. My heart rates up. I'm sweating. My legs are heavy. Um, but I get it done. I do it. And that makes me feel better. Even we'll take today's run, for example. I believe I became mentally tougher by doing the session I did today. Hilly wind raining didn't really want to finish it after 40 minutes got it done 30 minutes later felt like i was ready for the olympics even though i'm clearly not um but you know i think and just to make it relatable i think people people uh again this might be a little bit of a an unfair statement but i believe in in, in ireland we, we've very very low confidence people are very very low confidence in themselves i don't know what that is is it an irish thing i have no idea but people really struggle to build mental toughness but i, I think if people could just embrace the things that make that, that they find difficult so suffering a little bit and i'm not saying suffering by starving yourself and going on hunger strike and walking up and down mountains all day every day suffering could be going to a spin class and you hate spinning and you find it really difficult and it, it kills your lungs it kills your legs but just getting through it and then doing one again the next week and then again the next week and then doing two the week after and then adding in maybe a trx class it like it, embracing that that's how you become mentally strong and i guarantee you, you do that for a month you're going to be a different person four weeks from then and um, Looking at doing it for yourself, like I, I, I may allude to people, we living in a reactive state, and I think that's a 
It could be an Irish thing. I have no idea, to be honest. Um, so we often, our actions often are carried out in a reaction to others, if that makes sense. Um, so we carry out actions based on what somebody says or somebody does, and we're often reacting to other people and our situations and our things rather than actually looking at ourselves and our current situation and reacting to that. So somebody might go to the gym because this person's gone to the gym, or somebody might start going training harder because there's something that they don't like is training harder or something like something stupid like that um whereas you know again i would have been caught i would have been a culprit of that but now i look at look at where i am myself personally and i know where i want to go in the future with my endurance and my training and my racing i need to keep training pretty hard you know what i mean today so today was my first session in like a 12-week program i made for myself and getting ready for a couple of marathons at the end of the year you know what i mean so i i you know, I have these goals I want to achieve and I know that if I can get them done, if I can constantly challenge myself, I know the time the race comes and I'm 22 miles into marathon, dying, suffering, sweating, spitting, not enjoying life, that they're the ones that, that they're the ones that stand to me, you know, um, and then just making yourself uncomfortable. I, I probably, can always said three, I probably came up with like nine there, but um, I think it's good to just, uh, there is no, like I said, the other thing as well is that, you know, you won't, you won't become mentally stronger by listening to this podcast. You won't become mentally stronger by reading a book or you won't become mentally stronger by watching a YouTube video. You'll become mentally stronger by doing the things that we just spoke about in person and challenging yourself. I think that's that's the uh, that's the main takeaway point from, from there anyways. No, I love that. The don't be afraid of failure. I think so many I'm gonna kinda bring it back to kind of the, the weight loss side of things. Most of my clients would be kinda will be weight loss clients. Uh, I don't necessarily yep. work with people who are looking to kind of get jacked or get up on stage or anything like that. But so many people think that the road is going to be plain sailing and they're going to say if they're with you for 12 weeks, they think it's going to be, yes, I'm going to drop, say, half a pound, a pound a week and there's going to be no interruptions. I'm going to feel great throughout. But that's that's just not going to happen. Um, it's it's you, There'll be days when you're hungry. There'll be days... Day you're a little bit lower energy. There's something's come up personal life. There's some some days you kind of you may you may get sick. Some days you have a headache. Some days you, particularly with females, there'll be days you won't be able to train due to your cycle and stuff like that. So people just have to be able to say to themselves like, if you're even seventy percent better than you were when you first started out in that twelve week journey, or even ten percent better, five percent better, you're still kicking ass. Like it's 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 that simple. So I'm delighted you brought that up. Um, so we'll go back to a little bit more about kind of the American uh, ultra marathon. You, I, I know from listening to the story and kind of do a little bit more research onto you, uh, what was kind of the, the toughest part of the trip for you mentally? And then we'll go on to it physically yeah. because there's two, there's two different sides for it for you, I think. Yeah, I think, I think physically, um, so again, we spoke about injuries there a little while ago. I think physically, when my Achilles flared up. Um, was probably the hardest part because I remember my physio Ali telling me she said Shane that's close to snapping I was like well that's not not good crack so I was you know I obviously stayed very calm I was ready for something like that to pop up um, if anybody kind of knows the geography of America basically we left California the Golden Gate Bridge and on day halfway through day two I started climbing the Sierra Nevadas which is the main one of the biggest mountain ranges in America um, and I, I basically climbed from day two to day nine straight, seven days straight of just climbing. 
um, and that was tough and it took a lot out of me, obviously. And day, yeah, the evening of day eight, my Achilles was just, um, it was a different colour. Uh, it was swollen and come out the back of my shoe. Um, it was not in a good place and I was actually finding it hard to walk. So I knew I was in a bit of trouble with that. Um, I had was scheduled to, you know, I was actually scheduled to go back on the bike. I think the way the days worked, it, it if it was to come at a time, it came at the best time day. I was scheduled to go back on the bike the next day. Uh, we spoke to my kind of bike coach friend. Uh, he's one of the best bike consultants in the world. He's based in Colorado. He's actually from Limerick. Um, he spoke to my physio Ali, and you know we need we just we locked my foot into the bike basically at about eighty degrees. Um, so we strapped up my ankle, um, and we strapped up my ankle very heavily so basically I was cycling and I couldn't really feel my Achilles which is good um, and it wasn't flexing or dorsiflexing so it was getting a little bit of recovery which is great and um, you know when I would stop to eat on the bike you know I'd be shoes off and she'd be working on it and um, you know when I'd finish we sometimes we'd doing two or three sessions a night on the, with, with, with her and um, just working on it working on my feet my calves stuff like that because um, what was starting to happening, I was mentally, I was trying to protect my Achilles. Um, so then my right knee started to get a tiny bit sore. Um, I guess I was trying to, again, like protect and use different muscle groups and stuff like that. Um, so we were very conscious of that happening. Um, but we, we got through it and we managed to get back running very easily a couple of days later. Um, and then, you know, by day... 21 i was back running like 50 games a day um which to be honest i have no idea how i did it i have no idea how we managed to pull through it i have no idea how i managed that was the worst injury i've had probably in about six years and um, it was very bad and it, i mean if you everybody knows maybe everybody might not know listening to this where the achilles is but if you grab if you to grab your if i pinch my achilles and just move my foot up and down like it was creaking like it creaked and um, so it was pretty bad but we, we got we got through it i mean again to be honest if i didn't have my physio Ali there i probably wouldn't have made it which would have been um obviously terrible <laughs> but you know to be honest that was probably the worst part for me i mean i i went kind of three or four days i completely zoned out from my surroundings um can't remember the towns i went through can't remember the people we met i was just so obsessed with my achilles and um, that was very very worrying for me obviously and very worrying for the crew um but it passed thank god um, and then the next the best thing for me i think was probably utah so utah was phenomenal again if anybody's watch or if anybody's listening to this not watching this um they should just 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 google image bryce canyon in utah and i cycled through that for like three days just weaving through these red rock canyons like and it was just phenomenal it was like cycling on mars like it was absolutely brilliant um again and that would be one place i would probably go back to um a lot of places i won't go back to but that was the that was the main they were the main two I suppose if you want to pick a low point um and you're going to pick a high point again going back to the mental side of the low point was I worried yeah I was quite worried but I still you know I was still say I remember like they strapped up my uh my foot and my ankle like I, I couldn't bend it like it was locked in place on the bike and my shoe and I was just like you're still moving forward you're still knocking off kilometers you know and there's no pain it's recovering give it a week and you're going to be back running um and, and look it, it, we managed we managed to put it off you know so it was uh, yeah very lucky a lot of a lot of luck involved to be honest and uh like i said kind of without the team i wouldn't have wouldn't have probably pulled it off 
That's that's awesome. And you like the other thing you mentioned was about Kansas kind of dealing with your own company. I think there was a bit of weather or boulders or something like that that came got in the way. Um Yeah, so um the, the boulders that there was rocks on the road. Actually this was this is in in Nevada actually. Um Kansas is where I spent the most time thinking. But in uh, yeah we got up to Sierra Nevada as the climb of the mountains again and just got to the road and there's these rocks across the road like road closed, don't pass and uh, I mean I've been, I've been biking up this mountain for about four hours but the crew had to go around the long way because they couldn't go on this road and I understand now why they couldn't go is because the freaking road was closed um, you know and I asked one of the locals I was like what's the story like it's uh, it can't be that bad you know and they're like oh yeah the road fell off into the cliff I was like oh shit I was like is there another way they're like no you'll have to go back down and around I was like I'm on my bike, man. I, I I'm not going back. I'm not going all the way back and down around. I would have uh, I would have lost about 120 kilometers um, if I had to go back and around back up the the way the crew were going. So um, they were like, yeah, we wouldn't recommend crossing it. And I was just like, I was like, I don't really care to be honest. So I, I got off my bike and I jumped over the the, the the rocks and jumped over the gates and I started cycling. So basically, you know, if you look at the, a road um, that we are, I was up to see where we obviously cycle on the other side of the road in America, um, but the whole left-hand side of the road had just fallen off. Like the whole left-hand side of the road was gone. And then there was the right part of the road and just like cliff, road and cliff. And um, they said it carries on for about three kilometers. And I was like, look, if it's very bad, I'll get off and I'll just walk it, you know? And um, they were just like, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I was like, look, I'd rather chance this than having to go back another 120K. And I knew that the crew were at the other side waiting for me. Um, so I said, ah, I just have to go for it. It was dodgy would be an understatement. Um, I was afraid to take my phone out of my pocket, to be honest, because I was like, this is this is not good. This is not safe. But managed to, 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 get, to get across. Um, and that, that was that was the main that was probably the most dangerous thing or situation I put myself in. Um, obviously, if I had known that that was there, I would have gone on the other road where the crew went. Um, and then the the only issue I had in Kansas was I'm not going to even say loneliness, but it was just the hours of seeing the exact same thing. So it's basically a road, two sides, one line in the middle, grass to your left, grass to your right, and as far as you can see to the naked eye i mean we'd come up to the odd like farm and stuff like that and that you know i'm from Kerry with some big farms out here but they're like they're they're there's like a needle in a haystack compared to what they have over there like the farms would go on for maybe six miles like the farmyards would go on for six or seven miles um and i found that to be obviously crazy madness um and it was just literally it's left and right green fields as far as the eye could see there was nothing the furthest we went one day was from petrol station to petrol station without seeing another building or or we saw five cars that day, which is which is a record in Kansas. Um was ninety eight miles. So we went from one point to the other, which was ninety eight miles, without seeing another human, without seeing another building, without seeing anything. Um so that was mad. You know, when you think about it and you're just you're there, I'm down on my T T bike and uh you just put your head up and it's just the same again, can't see anything. So there that's when the mental games come in, you know, and you're you're um you're 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 finding it hard to, to pass the time and you know it's uh it was yeah it was difficult 
I mean, it was uh, there was things I was talking about and things I was thinking about that made no sense, and that I was I was saying things to the crew, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Um, I would just come up with a lot of weird stuff in my head and things like that, but that's that's uh, it's all part of it, I guess, you know. But um, yeah, I think tr- crossing the, the the closed road and just the the sheer vastness of Kansas was 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 um yeah, it was difficult on my own, you know. My my friend Tim actually flew up from New York, um, to bike with me out of the Rockies and the, it, to bring me to the borderline of Kansas, really, um, which was great. But then I went back to being completely on my own for the next probably 20 days. Um, so that was that was, that was was tough. But again, you know, I spent eight months, <laughs> eight months, actually eight years here in Jingle training on my own, you know. So it's um, it was I was ready for it. And uh, I knew the crew were never too far away. And um, yeah, like I said, we saw some interesting places and interesting characters for sure. And did you have podcasts or music in your ear, or were you kind of just left with the the, t- the thing in between your ears, the brain? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I would just listen to nothing, and I just listen to the spokes, the wheel, the, the wheels running on the bike. Um, other times I would listen to podcasts. I listen to mainly, you know, endurance podcasts, kind of Ironman training podcasts. Uh, what else do I listen to? I'm a big fan of this show in America called the the MFCEO. Um, it's a guy called Andy Frisella. It's the best, probably the best business podcast in the world. I listen to a lot of that. Um, and then I would listen to just a lot of music. Again, anything from Tiesto to the Dubliners to Chainsmokers to Sinead O'Connor. I mean, it was just a big mix. And just to keep me entertained, basically, you know, I put it on shuffle. And I remember just being literally excited and like, wondering what song is going to come on next and I just have a laugh at that you know like I said it go from anything to like David Guetta and TS so to like Foggy Jew you know so it was just a, literally a mad mix of everything um, but like I said it kept me stimulated mentally and um, yeah it was it was, uh, it was definitely uh, definitely a lot of time to think and, and probably come up with some ideas I shouldn't have you know yeah no big time um, one of the last questions I'm going to ask you Shane is regarding your kind of your training and nutrition for the event you said you're kind of not preparing eight months but you're almost preparing for eight years but like your nutrition and stuff like that before the event and during the event what was that like yeah so i mean the the the, the build-up i suppose you're like oh when did you actually start training i was like i don't really have an actual official start date of training but you know i've been i think everything i've been doing has been building up to this so from nutritionally obviously i made a lot of mistakes over the last couple of years i put my hand up if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're not going to improve. Um, so one of the things that I started doing is I started working with my nutritionist. His name is Barry Murray. Um, so Barry is an expert in endurance nutrition. That's his gig. That's his game. Um, he's the guy's a bit of a nomad, but he's a bit of a genius. And I remember reaching out to him after the 24 marathons. You know, Barry's won a lot of ultramarathons around Europe and Ireland and uh, you know he's a kind of a consultant he's worked with the BMC cycling team the Tour de France and he's a you know he'd be consulting a lot of the top runners and, and Ironman guys in Europe Um, so I knew that he was the guy I needed to chat to I mean from an endurance perspective I was eating a lot of carbohydrates for, for a couple of years and I remember one time you know just one week for example I wrote down I tracked my food for seven whole days and I worked out the grams of sugar that I was putting into my body and uh, it just completely blew me away. So I was like, wow, I was like, that's a lot of lot of uh, sugar that you're consuming. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to be, I looked fit, I looked healthy, I looked lean, but I was like, oh, what's going on on the inside with consuming all this stuff, basically, you know, this 
like shakes, supplements, scoops of powder on the bike, I mean gels, everything. Uh, and I've completely reversed that. I've gone completely the opposite direction. Um, I did an Ironman a couple of months ago with no gels. I crossed America with no gels or supplements. Um, electrolytes is the only thing I put into my water. Um, and then I started really going back to basics with my nutrition. So, you know, I've not gone completely no carb, but what I am doing is I'm really kind of working on the, the timing of my carbohydrate intake. Um, so basically, uh, we could get really complicated about this, but I'll keep it really simple, is typically we're supposed to eat carbohydrates before we train as endurance athletes. I do the opposite and I consume them after I train. That's So it's like carb backloading almost, basically. Um, and I found it to be really good. I found that, you know, basically stomach problems are gone. They're a thing of the past. Um, I found that my energy while I train is a lot more steady. Um, so again, you know, big hit of carbohydrates pre-training. You're going to get a blood sugar spike. What's going to happen an hour, an hour and a half later is that's going to drop. You're going to need something else. And that's gone. I mean, I can run for four hours now fasted with just water um i can go on the bike for four or five hours with just water and a coffee in the morning um but it took me about a year and a half to actually get to that point i remember i literally started off running like five k's in the morning um before eating um that's literally where i started to get up to then running five hours or four hours um with no food um obviously we consume my all my carbohydrates then afterwards so what i did was it made me better at utilizing fat as a fuel source so i became more fat adaptive that's the term that's being used nowadays um and it's not keto so it's completely not keto so i'm not ketogenic um you know so i'm a little bit more fat adapted um and just using fat as a fuel fuel source is a bit cleaner i'm not consuming as much sugar i'm not taking any supplements i'm not using any gels however i'm, I'm leaner than i was I'm, I'm fitter than i was i'm recovering better than what i was um but don't get me wrong I, yo i still like go, go up with my friends and have a pizza and a couple of drinks and stuff but i i make sure that i work first you know what i mean um so that, that they're kind of the main changes I've made, really. I think, you know, when what advice would I give other people? I'm not a qualified nutritionist or dietitian, but I think, you know, simplify the complexities. That's one of the best terms I've been told over the last kind of four or five years, simplify the complexities. So things like nutrition and training, we make them super complicated. And if you make them simple, they often work a lot better. Um, so basically what I did was I completely simplified my nutrition. And with the thanks of, obviously, Barry's help, um, I quickly understood that, you know, real food, um, local fresh produce was the best fuel that I could put into my engine. And uh, yeah, look, two years later, I'm, like I said, I'm reco recovered very well from America. Um, I am back kind of training again, basically. Um, you know, I, I, I've been running marathons fasted. I, I, I did my last Ironman with, with no gels and, and no magic potions. Um, just good old-fashioned electrolytes and good old-fashioned hard work. And um, yeah, like I said, like I remember doing races before. And again, if anybody's done it, you know, you spend the next two days uh, sitting on the toilet. And, and God forbid if you're flying home from a race, like you're, you know, you just might as well just pay for a, a seat beside the toilet, like because it's you're just completely destroyed. Like your stomach's ruined. Um, I mean, I woke up this year after Ironman Lake Placid, and I went uh, went for a swim, I went for a walk, went for breakfast, and I did a race five days later in New York City. You know, so that for me was completely unheard of before for me. Um, I was literally like, I'd be the guy like, and again, it happens a lot of people. I race hard and I'm, I'm, I'm wiped for seven days, and that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so and I, I suppose the, the, the main thing then would be, and I suppose to finish would be, I was looking at it from a long term health standpoint. 
Um, so I knew, like, you know, the sugar I was consuming as an as an endurance athlete because we we're meant to, um, wasn't very good for me long term. Um, and I just said that I need to make this change, not only for my endurance goals, but for my long term health as well. So um, I'm glad I met him. I'm glad I made that random phone call. And he actually told me on the phone he was moving to West Kerry, which was very random and, and interesting timing. Um, so now I get to train with him and pick his brains and stuff like that all the time. And um, yeah, he's introduced me to some big, big, uh, big athletes around the world, and I get to pick their brains. And you know, some of these guys have been eating this way for for like ten years, you know. So, um, and they're still performing at the top, the top level. So it's uh, yeah, it's obviously interesting. It's a, it's a thing I continue to explore for for many, many years. And you know, I could come back on here in, in two years' time with you, Shane, and I could say, oh yeah, that's what I did. This, but this is what I do now. Um, so look, I continue to try things. I continue to see what works best for me. And I mean, that that works really well for me, but it might not work for somebody else, you know. So. You have to find out um, what works. I suppose it ties back in nicely to something we, ch- we we spoke about earlier on. Is you have to play the long game. There's no quick fix with these kind of things. It's it's it's, it's long term. Uh, but the problem is long term isn't isn't very sexy, you know. So it's uh it's uh but it's something I said. Look for me personally, it's going to work out long term. I want to be able to do what I'm doing for quite a long time and, and to be fit and healthy too, you know. So that's why I kind of decided to to really make a proper look at my nutrition and really get some advice on it basically because we think we kind of know everything when we don't you know and it's only when you start looking in that you realize how little you know uh, if that makes sense as well so um yeah it's been interesting like i said i'll continue to explore that avenue for the next couple of years as well fair play no that, that's that's really interesting it's definitely a, a different tactic uh and I, I think barry was on your podcast as well wasn't he episode three or four yeah he was, uh, he was, yeah. So if anyone wants to listen to that, that's up on iTunes and Spotify. Whoever's interested in that kind of realm of stuff like that, it's it's, it's quite interesting to hear, kind of hear from Barry himself on that as well. So last question, Shane, what's coming up next for you? Are you going to kind of sit on the couch for a little while or are you going to go out and destroy the world again? Um, I'm not much of a couch guy, to be honest. <laughs> um, I was a couch guy yes um, I'm, I'm a massive again from where I am a massive J fan so hurling football anything at all I watch it don't care who's playing or where they're playing um, again I think for me I, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the obviously the multi-day endurance sports uh, probably take a, a break for quite a while um, I have my eye on a few marathons at the end of the year and like I said uh, next year in the next two or three years really will be big Ironman years for me um, so I have a goal of kind of qualifying for the Ironman World Championships as an Irish athlete, which would be obviously fantastic. Um, I suppose professionally, I'm looking at maybe going back to do a master's in, in, in performance science. Um, I'm looking at moving to America for a couple of months. And uh, I've, I've, I've a lot of things going on. I mean, I might go back to Boulder. I mean, Boulder is the place in the world. It's, it's the endurance. Uh, it's the muscle beach of endurance, basically. Um, it's where everybody, you know, if you want to become a good endurance athlete, they, they, they say there's this myth in Boulder by just by being there you become a better athlete um you know which is which is pretty cool and i was there for probably nine days before i crossed america and um on eight of those nine days i got to train with a pro athlete you know they just came along they're just like oh yeah come out with me and like that was just class you know what i mean so i'm, I'm definitely gonna go back there for a little while um yeah and just just continue doing what i'm doing hopefully your know, fingers crossed please god stay fit and healthy and uh yeah, just continue enjoying life and do a little bit more traveling, maybe. Um, and yeah, maybe a couple of barbecues with the family over the summer. That's about it, really, for me. Fair play. And where can where can we kind of follow your journey, or where can we find a little bit more information about you, Shane? Yeah, so everything everything for me is on my website. So again, I kept it fairly simple, like I do with a lot of things. It's uh, shanefin.com. 
and then I'm Shane Finn on all my social medias and uh, obviously the, the Pushing Limits podcast as well. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the uh, this kind of you know I'm, I'm, I love connecting with people online. I'm I'm a kind of a I'm, my friends kind of take the piss out of me. I'm like I'll reply reply to people literally within three minutes or three days. There's no kind of like in between. I'm very bad like that, but I'm trying to get better at it. Um, so I'm trying to find the middle ground between the two of those. And uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm always eager to help people out any way I can. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm not gonna go promoting anything, but I'll probably get my online running kind of business going again in the next kind of couple of months. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take it from there. Awesome. I'll I'll put in all of Shane's information and put in the podcast and everything into the write up. So when it goes up on iTunes and Spotify, when it's out, so Shane, thank you so much for giving up your 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 bank holiday evening to come on the podcast i like it, it's incredible your your journey and uh fair play for for doing everything and i wish you the, the best of luck in the, in the next couple of months years whatever it may be in the kind of the endurance sport and i hope you do get qualified it would be great to see an irish uh, athlete represented in the in the ironman and stuff like that so fair play to you thanks very much buddy appreciate it